We're here to learn about Pinchas. Now Pinchas, as you know, the story of Pinchas is told at the end of, of the parish of Bullock and the beginning of the parish of Pinchas. Let's review the story. Let's review the story. It's on the, uh, the psukim or on the sheet. Vayeshev Yisrael Bashitim Vayochel Ha'am Leznot El Benot Mo'av So a bad thing happened. B'nai Yisrael in a place called Shitim and then apparently we know from other indications that this was the Eitzah of Bil'am. In other words, Bil'am was not successful in cursing the Jews but he was successful in causing them tremendous damage. And the way he did it was, you know, kind of straightforward. He got the Benot Mo'av to seduce the men of Yisrael. That's called Avodazor. Pasuk Gimel. This is even worse. Like Baal Pa'or is the name of the idolatry. Vaitzamed means uh, devoted, devotedly uh, involved. The, the divine reaction does not take long to come. And then uh, Kodesh Baruch Hu tells Moshe Rabbeinu that he should somehow deal with this problem, get the people involved, uh, put them up before the sun, you know. And then God's anger will be abated. So Moshe Rabbeinu directs everybody to, to be proactive, to go around and killing the people who are involved. And then there's a little story in the bigger story. I mean, the bigger story is pretty bad, but it seems to be under control in this Pasuk. Then along comes Pasuk Vav. And Pasuk Vav says, V'inei ish v'inei Yisrael ba. Something happened. Well, what happened? Uh, the same thing. But it was Petach Oel Mo'ed. It was done in full view of Moshe Rabbeinu Oel Mo'ed. It was the same thing, but worse. It was, it was something that was really terrible. So, we don't understand why this all makes a difference. Because it sounds like, when you read the story, that Moshe Rabbeinu, directed by Kodesh Baruch Hu, had it under control. Under control means that they were killing the bad guys. They were, they were taking care of it. right? They were going every around and grabbing the people who were involved and shooting them. And that was going to take care of the problem. And suddenly there's a new problem. But the new problem is the old problem. It's not, there's no difference. It's just that it was done in full view of Moshe Rabbeinu and Adat B'nai Yisrael. Then Pasuk Zayin. Pasuk Zayin is the new story. There's a new story in this parasha. Remember, the old story is bad. And as the bad, there was, they were taking care of it. Bad was being taken care of. That's the old story. And now there's a new story. And the new story is very bad. Very bad. And who's going to take care of very bad? 
That's what the Pasuk says. Pasuk Zion. Vayar Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron Akohen. A new character. There's a new character in the story. There's a new character in the Chumash. I mean, Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron Akohen. He's a new guy on the block. Where was he before? Where, where was he when the whole big tarara was going on? I guess he was, you know, sort of involved in whatever way he was involved. But now suddenly, Pinchas takes center stage. Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron HaKohen. He's got a lot of yichas. Right? The Torah introduces him to us, including all the yichas, which is very common. Right, it's very common that the first time we meet up with somebody in the Torah and in the Tanakh, his entire lineage is presented to us. So Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron Akohen, a new character. And this guy, Pinchas, he took a spear. It's okay, you know, if you have a literary bent... You know what a literary bent is? Like, you can compare one literary thing to another literary thing. So you know that Moshe Rabbeinu always took the mateh biyado. What did he do with the mateh? Well, it's not clear. What? Yeah, but, wha- okay, that's just, you know, that's, if I would do it, that was the answer to the question on the written test, you get X. No. What did he do with the mateh? Sometimes he just held it. Sometimes he waved it. In other words, sometimes, and sometimes he used it. Right? Sometimes the mate was sort of a sign of authority. Sometimes it had something to do with dealing with nature. Like, okay, now the miracle should come. In our tradition, what is that similar to? Or what do we do that is similar to that? We shake a lulav. I know that it's Tammuz, but I can't believe that you don't remember that we shake a lulav, right? Now, you know why we say shake the lulav? To get the rain going. To get heaven moving on the rain. It's a tefillah, shaking the lulav. Moshe Rabbeinu in the Mateh, it was also a tefillah, sometimes. And sometimes, it was part of what Moshe Rabbeinu was doing, part of Moshe, what Moshe Rabbeinu was doing, like, he went to the rock, and he hit it. I mean, he hit it with the mate. He couldn't hit it without a mate. So that's like, a, right? All of that is correct. Okay. So anyway, he took a romach. Now, obviously, this romach, he intended to use it for something. He intended to stick it into somebody and kill them. So that's the story. He did it, Pinchas. He took the Romach, he killed him, he killed her, and everything calmed down. So there are two stories. There's a story about general. Uh, 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 terrible. And then there's a story about particularistic terrible. And the particularistic terrible was done in full face of Moshe Rabbeinu. Amazing. Story number one was dealt with by Moshe Rabbeinu, commanded by a Kodesh Baruch Hu, 
to take care of it. Story number two was dealt with by somebody who we just met, whose name was Pinchas ben, A- ben Elazar ben Aaron Kohen. Okay? That's the story. We all got that? That's what happened. Now we're up to the parish of Pinchas. Yes? I suppose. What do you mean? Should somebody explain that? I guess. Yeah, it means that Moab and Midian were in it together. But let's go to Pinchas. We're up to Pinchas, right? Pinchas? Translation. Pinchas is the greatest. I mean, Pinchas did something that only Pinchas could do. This was something that, that goes beyond a simple, straightforward compliment. It was just wonderful, right? I mean, you imagine, Pinchas made it possible, so the Pesach says, it made it, made it possible uh, for God to maintain a relationship with B'nai Yisrael. I mean, do you understand that? That if not for Pinchas, how are you? Sharon. Who is that? You don't know who that is? Ah. So Pinchas, Pinchas was able to change. I mean, I mean, he did the same thing everybody else did. It, it was, it's true, Pinchas, there was like an apex an apex of disaster, you know, it was an apex of disaster that Pinchas dealt with, but it was the same thing, wasn't it? It wasn't like, it wasn't like they made up some new thing to do. They, they were acting as they acted. And yet Pinchas is given this tremendous accolade. And lachene lo et shalom. This is an unexpected reward. I mean, you think if a person goes and kills other people and saves the nation, so he gets a medal, like for valor, or something like that. Or you write him a letter, and you sign it, like Moshe Rabbeinu would sign the letter. But why would he get Briti Shalom, right? I mean, it's a little jarring that you get Briti Shalom by killing people. I mean, I know they had to kill the people. But what is the Briti Shalom that we're talking about? And then they have the names. So, so, okay, the story, on the one hand, is understandable. Pinchas did it. He was rewarded. He was rewarded. He got the Briti Shalom. Everybody is happy. On the other hand, One has the feeling that there's something about this story that we don't understand. So, I want to note two Rashis. Right, two Rashis. One Rashi is the end of Parsha Bolak, and the other Rashi is the beginning of the Parsha of Pinchas. First Rashi. First Rashi, you see it's on the sheet, Pasuk Zion, Vayar Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron HaKohen, right? Oh, there's another question, which we'll get to in a minute. There's a technical question. I, I, I just said, I don't understand the story, but you know there's a technical question, because if we know that Pinchas is Ben Elazar, Ben Aaron Kohen, it certainly doesn't make sense that he's introduced to us again in Pasuk Yud Aleph as Pinchas Ben Elazar, Ben Aaron Kohen. I mean, after all, 
That's what he was two psukim ago. He's not, nothing's going to change in those two psukim. So there's a, like a technical kind of a problem that Chazal loved to deal with. Right, you know, after all, how could it be? Why should the Torah write the same thing twice? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. So, what? It was last week's passage. It's good. That's a good point. But that is a good... <laughs> we are considering that point. Okay, now, look at the Rashi. Rashi tells a story which is absolutely amazing. Everybody knows the story, but you have to remember that it's Rashi who's telling the story, based on Chazal, of course. And Rashi says this, Vayar Pinchas. Vayar he saw. He saw. So, so Chazal jump off on this word, on this verb, Vayar. He saw. What did he see? What does seeing mean? Seeing is understanding. What did he understand? Right, you know that kind of, that way of thinking about things? Like when you see something, Tamuz you. Is about what? Tamuz, is about Tamuz? Why? Said, because the, the, the sense of each month, each month has a sense according to something. Tamuz is about seeing. Okay, so what you're saying has some very vague connection to what we're going to talk about today. But when I say what it is, we'll see if you recognize it. I mean, it's vague. But I'll, uh, okay. So it's good. Some people like vague. You know, it's like, I don't like vague that much. So anyway, Chazal say, Vayar. It's a verb. It's a word. It's a Hebrew word. Resh, Aleph, He is the root. So Chazal say, seeing. Well, seeing has different meanings. You can see it without thinking about it. You can see it thinking. You can see it penetrating. Seeing is like an interesting verb because you know what it means. But now you could say you don't know what it means. That's great. In other words, there's two kinds of not know what it means. One kind of not know is mean you know what the word means. So that's poshut. You look it up in a dictionary and then you know what it means. But there's another kind of that you don't know what it means. When you know what it means, but you know that it could mean something else and you have to think about what that something else might mean. So look what Rashi says. Well, we'll, just, we'll say everything is Rashi, even though you know it's Chazal. But we say it's Rashi. Rashi says, Ra'a ma'aseh v'nizkar halacha. He says, oh, Pinchas saw the world as Torah. That's like there's a Torah laboratory called existence. And in that Torah laboratory, things happen all the time. And so, what do you do? Do you add the nitrogen or the sulfur or what, you know, to mix it into the little test tube? What do you do? Well, what you do what the Torah tells you. It's, it's, that's what he was. That's what Pinchas was. He was the Torah laboratory man. Right? So, he saw what was going on. He was a Jew. The kind of Jew that we know. The Jew says, oh, look at this. What does the Torah tell me to do? And then, what was it that the Torah told him to do? This part of the story is a little bit of, you know, it's like if you're used to teaching, if you're used to teaching, you always get this. Every teacher is confronted by some annoying student who said, but didn't you say last time or ten times ago or last year it gets worse right didn't you say here's Pinchas 
who is unknown to us. We don't know who Pinchas is. I mean, we have never had any contact with him. Pinchas says, Mikublani mimcha, habo el aramit kanaim po Which means, let's kill this guy. You taught us that we can kill this guy. This is not a political issue. This is nothing to do with the authority of Moshe Rabbeinu falling apart. This is nothing to do. Pinchas wasn't worried about that. Moshe Rabbeinu could take care of himself. Moshe Rabbeinu, after all, has an ally in heaven. Pinchas said, you taught us that we have an obligation of the moment. Right? We have to stop them from eating treif. We have to do that. That's what Pinchas said. To which Moshe Rabbeinu gives the most remarkable answer you could imagine. He says, Amarlo, Karyana digarta ihu lave parvanka. You said it, you do it. What kind of answer is that? Well, I mean, you said it, you do it. Pinchas, after all, said to Moshe Rabbeinu, listen, maybe you forgot the halacha. I mean, you're just standing there and watching all this happen. Do something. So Moshe Rabbeinu says to Yoshua, oh, you're so clever, you do something. Like, what are you telling me what to do? You go do it yourself. So suddenly, there's a new story. Because Pinchas is not the savior. He's not the savior of Am Yisrael. He's not the savior of the Jewish people at, the, at a particular moment. He suddenly becomes the, at issue with Moshe Rabbeinu. This is like another story. There's a story in the story. Right? Not that Pinchas did the right thing or the wrong thing. Not that Pinchas was able to carry out the directive of Moshe Rabbeinu because he happened to have a Romach and maybe Moshe Rabbeinu left his Romach at home. But there was... There was, a, well, there was a real confrontation. Pichas says, do it. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, okay, you're so smart. You do it. You know, what, what do you want from me? So this is a different story. This is a story that's not in the Chumash. At least it's not obviously the Chumash. And it all comes to that word, Vayar. So that's one thing that Rashi teaches us. Right? One thing that Rashi teaches us. The other thing that Rashi teaches us is this. Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron Kohen. You see the second Rashi on the page? Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron Kohen. Pasuk Yud Aleph. It's a Rashi. So, so Rashi is answering the question. What question is Rashi answering? Why does the Torah tell me his yichas twice, just a few psukim away from each other? Why does the Torah say it again? Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron HaKohen. Rashi's answer is that the Torah said it because Pinchas needed it. Why did Pinchas need it? Why did he need this tap on the back? Why did he need the Torah to say again that he's a very a guy with a lot of yichas? I mean, he had a lot of yichas. Why did the Torah have to say it? He wasn't getting married, right? This wasn't like a wedding invitation. Where you're like, you're right. Oh, this is the name of the mother, this is the name of the grandmother, this is the name of the great-grandmother, and he's, a, and he's a, a scion of some holy rabbinic family. No, it wasn't a wedding. It's a chumash, and the chumash is led, it's true. Last week's parasha is last week's parasha, this week's parasha, this week's parasha, that's true, but Rashi gives a different answer. Rashi's answer is, Rashi's answer is, amazing. Absolutely amazing. L'fisha yuashvatim mivazim oto. That Pinchas, not only did Pinchas have to fight with Moshe Rabbeinu, so to speak. Not only go to Moshe Rabbeinu and he said, hey, let's do it. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, 
Who's it? What do you mean we? You do it. You go do it. You've got the, you got the, the thing. You go and, and kill it. But he also had to fight his way through Am Yisrael. Now, what was he fighting with Am Yisrael about? They would insult him. They, Bnei Yisrael, would insult him, Pinchas. ben this is a Gemara in Sanhedrin. The Gemara is here on the daf, but I just want you to... This is what the Gemara says. That... That... <coughs> what? In the beginning of Shemos, it's not on the, it's not on the, uh, on the page... I told you that you, sh- you should never put everything on the daf. So there's a posuk. The posuk says, when the Torah gives the lineage of Moshe Rabbeinu, Elazar ben Aharon, Elazar ben Aharon, the Torah says that Elazar, the son of Aharon, lakach lo mi benot putiel lo isha, vateled lo et pinchas, so, Putiel is one of the names of Yitro. Yitro, as you know, was the master of idolatry. It was before he decided to join up with Bnei Yisrael, he tried all the idolatries in the world. I see you, you're into that. Midian. Moab, Midian. But this is not today's Shear. It's a different year. Okay. No, no, I think it's good. It's just that it's a different topic. So, so again, the Chumash says, the Chumash says, that, that Elazar, the son of Aharon, married one of the daughters of Putiel, and they had a son whose name was Pinchas. So Putiel, according to this tradition, is Yitro. Yitro is the master of Avodah which means that before he converted or joined up with Bnei Yisrael, however he did that, he was a world-famous idolater. He wasn't just one of the idolaters in the world, but he was a world-class idolater. Right? He knew everything about idolatry. He was a Talmud Chochem in idolatry. So the Rashi says, based on the Gemara, Rashi says based on the Gemara, he says, the feature, they would insult him, him Pinchas. ben Puti You see Puti, the son of Puti, Shepitem. He fatted up these calves for idolatry. The Haragnesi shaved me Israel. And he what? Puti Grandfather. His daughter married Elazar. They had a child whose name was Pinchas. So, against the halacha, Berura, right, which is mentioned in Yitro, about Yitro, which says you're not allowed to talk about somebody's past if he's a kosher uh, Jew, they nevertheless would talk about Pinchas, and they'll say, oh, Pinchas, you know, he's the grandson of this well-known idolater, 
called Putiel. That was his name, or Ben Putizer Shepite. And why was he called Puti? Why was that one of the names of Yitro? Because he had this business of selling fatted calves for idolatrous purposes, which may have been a good business. Maybe not. Maybe he joined B'nai Israel because... He went broke. You want to tell a joke? No. Tell your own jokes. <laughs> Don't tell my jokes. <laughs> Ah, Ben Kaputi. Ah. And then Harag Nasi shaved me as well. Not only that, but he went around and he killed somebody who had the position of a Nasi of Bnei Yisrael. Lefikach bahakatuv yichaso acharon. Isn't like an amazing story? Like, like here, here the, what's the question? The question is, why did the Torah say Pinchas ben Elazar ben Arona Kohen again. That's the question. That's the question. So what's the what's the answer? I mean, what could be the answer? Okay, everybody think of an answer, right? You could imagine what the answer might be. Along comes Rashi, and Rashi says, "This is the answer." Since Pinchas, when he was going around and saving the Jewish people from destruction, all the other people were pointing their finger at him and saying, "Who is this guy? He's like Stavagurnished." His grandfathers are this, and, 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 and his grandmother was a that. And, and, and we don't want to be saved by him. We'd rather be saved by a, like a real Jew, or a real member of the family. We don't want to be saved by him. And so, it says, the figure Bakatu v'yichasso acharei aharon. So the, the Pasuk says, okay, the first time the Torah says, the first time the Torah says, Pinchas ben Elazar ben Arad Kohen, but they're just learning Pshat in the Rashi, right? You're learning Pshat in class, or you're learning on Shabbos with your children. You <laughs> say, first time it says, Pinchas ben Elazar ben Arad Kohen, it means that was his name. And the Torah always tells us a person, his father, his grandfather, doesn't normal, regular. What about the second time? The second time is in opposition to the opposition. That all these people who said, Pinchas, who's he? I mean, who's he to save us? We want to be saved by Moshe Rabbeinu. We don't want to be saved by Pinchas. What do we have Moshe Rabbeinu for? Up to now, we made the Egel. We didn't go to Eretz Israel. We didn't do what we're supposed to do many times. Who saved us? Moshe Rabbeinu. Oh, a pleasure. You know, it's saved by Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't save just anybody. He saves B'nai Israel. So what happened here? What do we need Pinchas for? What, how did Pinchas get into this story? We want Moshe Rabbeinu. We want Moshe Rabbeinu to save us. That's what the story is. That's what the story is. And since that's the story, since that's, that, that's the story, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, I better say the yichas over again in the Torah, so to speak. That's what happened. Okay. Now, on the sheet is also, there's the Gemara. The Gemara, if you count down, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Right? It's told in a kind of a different story in the Gemara. But if you count down seven lines, you see, Bikshu Malachea Sharet Le Dochafo, 
Amar lehem that, the, that this argument also took place in heaven. Which again, literarily, is an important thing. Right? You know, but, but I'm not discussing that right now. But I just, I just leave it to you. That in the Gemara, the version of the Gemara is celestial. And the version in Rashi is terrestrial. Now, I don't have to sell you on the idea that there might be a connection between what goes on in heaven and what goes on on the earth. I just want you to say that, to understand that Rashi chose. He could have written it, he could have put it in the, 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 um, his parish in the Gemara way. But he put it in in the, in the Medrash way. So, that's Rashi. Now, I want to tell you a halacha. I want to tell you, Allah, I want to remind you. Because what we want to do, oh, here I'll tell you. If you turn the page, I'd like to learn some of this Agra de Kala. The Agra de Kala, as it says here, was Moran Sviali Melch Shapira Av Beis Din Gehilo Kedosha Munkach. Munkach was also called Dinuf. Right? Dinuf. Dinov, that's what it was called. So, so some people know that this is Tzvi uh, Melech of Dinov, and some people call him Tzvi Melech of, of Munkach. How this extra word, Munkach, the Kala, I don't know what, how that word got in here. I don't, I'm not responsible for the sheet. I mean, I take the credit for anything that's good, but... So you know that Tzvi Melech of Dinov wrote a very famous Sefer. He wrote many, many Sefer. But the most famous Sefer, probably, that he wrote is called the B'nai Yisoschar, which is a book that is about the months of the Jewish year. That's what it's about. And there you are. You see, there's, a, there's an incidental reference to what you were talking about. If you look, so that book is called, what? That book is called the B'nai Yisoschar. Now, how did it, why is it called the B'nai Yisoschar? Right, after all, it would be odd to call Pinchas ben Eloza ben Aaron Akohen Yisoschar, right? It would be. So his name was Tzvi Eli Melechav. It's what? Yodei Eitim. That's a Pesach. But before, I, I can just tell you the simpler way. The simple way is, the simple way is that the Chosen Milublin, the Chosen Milublin, you know the Chosen Milublin was called the Chosen Milublin because he had x-ray eyes. They were, like today also in Eretz Yisrael, here and there, there are holy men who have x-ray eyes and for a small amount of money <laughs> you can get x-rayed by them. But the Chosim Lublin had x-ray eyes. And he looked at Rav Tzvi Melech and he said, you are from the tribe of Yisachar. Of Yisachar. And you know that there is this minog. I don't know if you know. You have to come to Shul on time to hear Kriya Satera, That the minog of Ashkenazim is that the first time the name appears in Kriya Satera, they read it Yisoschar. Even Litvaks. Even Litvaks who have no Hasidish event at all and don't even know what Hasidim are, they also read the word the first time the name, when he was born. When Yisoschar was born, he's called Yisoschar. I mean, it's a little odd that there are two sins in the world, right? You know, you must have noticed that. Right? And that the, the dots don't go with the letters which is a kind of a Kriyaksiv, but we always read it that, we always say Yisachar, we say Yisachar, and in fact, uh, in, uh, in the recent history, a lot of pe- people whose name was Yisachar, like the Belzer Rebbe, 
just like odd references, you know. His name is Isocha, but he signs his name Yud Sin Kaf Reish. Not the way it's written in the, in the Chumash, but he signs it Yud Sin Kaf Reish as though, as though it was a different name. That there's, there's a different name with two sins that's also pronounced Isocha. And there's another name with one sin that's pronounced Yisohar. Why he does that? You have to ask him. So, the B'nai Yisoschar. Everybody calls him the B'nai Yisoschar because it was revelatory. Like he discovered that he was from the tribe of Yisoschar. How did he discover it? The Chosem Lublin told him. How did the Chosem Lublin know? X-ray eyes. Right? So he, he called the book B'nai Yisoschar. Everybody calls it B'nai Yisoschar. So now, in order to understand what he says about this whole problem, which is what we want to learn, I have to introduce you to a halacha in the Shulchan Aruch. The halacha is, in the Shulchan Aruch, it's Simon Aleph. Simon Aleph, I have to admit that, that, you know, when I learned the Shulchan Aruch, when I tried to learn this and that and that, I noticed after a long time that I never learned Simon Aleph. Because it didn't fit, it wasn't exactly a topic. Simon Aleph is about getting up in the morning. This was not a topic that I wanted to engage. <laughs> right? So I, I never learned it. But it, then when I learned it, I found that it's a very interesting simon. It's very interesting. What, is, what does the simon say? Okay, it says, Yitgaber kari lamod baboker lavodat bo'o sheyehu morer ashacha. It knows you have to get up early in the morning like a lion. Having been on one of those safaris and gone at 4 o'clock in the morning to see the lions get up, the lions do not get up like lions. <laughs> they get up exactly the way we would like to get up. <laughs> and they do a lot of stretching when they finally do get up. So, but there is this idea that the Mechaber quotes Yitgaber Ka'ari. Okay, fine. Now, the Ramor quotes, interestingly enough, a long passage, a long passage from the Maranavuchim. Believe it or not. The Guide to the Perplexed, the Ramor quotes a, a, long, a long passage. And then about standing before God and being ready, and you know, it's very interesting. And then there are more, you should look at that. And then there are more says, I do that all the time, I tell people to look at things. Because after all these years, I'm still, I still have a modicum of optimism. So I keep doing it. This is what the Ramos says. The Ramos says, Lo yitbayesh mipnei b'nei adam hamal'igim alav bavodat Hashem yitbarach. The Ramos Simon Aleph, Seif Aleph. The first thing that the Ramah teaches the Jewish people, the first thing in the Shulchan Aruch, he says, he says, do not be ashamed. Lo yit bayesh. Right? That's shame. Bepnei b'nei adam hamal igim. Do not be ashamed when people make fun of you. That's the Ramah. Ba'avodat Hashem Yitbarach. Do not be ashamed 
when people make fun of the fact that you are serving, that you are serving God. The Mishnah Bura says, I'm calling the Mishnah Bura because he quotes previous sources. Vechain, imhu adam beinoni. Listen to this. Vechain imhu adam beinoni. The Mishnah Bura says, if he's a regular person, not beinoni like the Balatanya. Beinoni, you know the Mishnah Bura didn't what? No, not a real Benoni. A regular person, right? A regular person. Not the way that Benoni is between something and something else, but like a regular person. The Mishnah Bura says, Ready? The person you go to shul. And all of a sudden you're in the shul, in the front of the shul, for some reason there's some great scholar there that day. You know, he came to visit somebody. He came to your shul to David. He says, Lo yit bayesh mehem lilmod velasot ha mitzvah. Busha. You should not be embarrassed. This is like in the Mishtabura, right here in Sif Aleph. Don't be embarrassed when you confront a great person to do a mitzvah. Like a person could go to shul in the morning, like a man goes to shul in the morning, he has to put on tefillin. He sees there, you know, like a whole Beit Din is standing there in the Mizrafant. So he starts thinking to himself, do I do it right? Do I have it in the right place? Do I, do I tie it around in the, in the right number of times? Have I got it in the right place in my head? You know, a person get, so he gets nervous and says, I think I'll leave. I'll dive in alone. I'll dive in another. I don't want these people to see me in my meager efforts to do a mitzvah. So he says, Lo yit bayesh mehem l'lmod l'asot ha-mitzvah. Ach, im efshah lo l'asot ha-mitzvah shelo b'vneihem tov yoter. He says, but if you could possibly do it in a way that you're not confronting them, he says, that is even better. So there's this idea. There's this idea that there's good busha. That there's bad busha. And there's good Bushah. Bad Bushah is when people are laughing at you or embarrassing you and telling you you shouldn't keep the Torah. And then there's good Bushah, where you feel somehow that your efforts to do the mitzvah might not be sufficient. That's good Bushah. So that's in the Shulchan Aruch. Okay? Now let's look at what the Agra de Kalo said. Again, Agra de Kalo is a book written on the Parashat Shavua by Rav Tzvi Melech of Dinov. Right, who was famous for the number of svarim that he wrote, and he has this thing where he sometimes takes a regular Hebrew word and writes gershayim in it. Gershayim is like, um, well, like apostrophes. Uh, yeah, in other, in other words, like like if you if you write a word and it's an acrostic or something. So he, put, so he does that sometimes to regular words, right? To regular words, in a sense. The reason he does that is that those words are for him buzzwords. In, in other words, if you really know what he's talking about, you understand that those words are special. But we don't. So we're just going to read it. Right? So we'll make believe that those Gershayim are not there when we read it. Okay? He says, As Yomar, Pasuk, this is what the Pesach says about Pinchas. That God's anger was abated. The word in the Pasuk. The Pasuk is referring to, if you go back to, uh, uh, you see it says Pasuk Yud Aleph. 
Bekano et kinati bitocham. Bitocham. And then the continuation is Lokhiliti et Bene Yisrael Bekinati. So the Agra the Kala, he he intuits that there's some reason that the first time it says Bitocham in their midst, and the second time it says Bene Yisrael. Why doesn't it say Bitoch Bene Yisrael? And then say Otam, right? There's this problem between like using a noun and using a pronoun. Like like, so he sees that there's some kind of interplay. And the first time, the pronoun is used, and the second time, the noun is used, which, I guess, is irregular. Like, usually you would write the noun, and then you would substitute it with a, for it with a pronoun. So let's go back to the Agur de Kalo. You don't need this whole distinction in Cain. So again, this is what he says. He says, I don't understand what the rule that the Torah generated in using the noun and the pronoun. First the pronoun and then the noun. He doesn't understand why the Torah did this. Is this a kasha? I don't know. It depends on the terrorists. You know, like, if it works out, it's a good kasha. So here we are. We hope it'll work out, right? We hope that it will work out. So look what he says. Hu diktukatsum. Hu diktukatsum means that he likes it. <laughs> he likes this distinction. And, and he says this. That we just learned. B'shem ha-marashal. The marashal was uh, an achron, but he was even a source for the commentaries on the Shulchan Aruch. And he was very highly regarded, you know, for his um, intuitive positions, for his uh, intelligence, sharp mind. Uh, Shlomo Luria was his name. This is the sentence that we saw in the Ramah, right? Remember the Ramah? The use of these two verbs... Yit bayesh, which means to be embarrassed, and maligimalav means they are making fun of him. Right? These two words. Uvetur, and then it's written up in the tour, Zelishono, Al Kain, he's here, Shetaoz Mitzchecha Neged Hamal Igim Velotevosh. And he says in the tour it writes it up this way that you should be of strong uh, a, a strong forehead. You know, you know, you should have a strong position against those who make fun and do not be embarrassed. The Pirshubo, and then he, and he goes on and says, further, this is explained, and this is explained by the Bach, right? The Bach is a commentary on the tour, whose name was Yoel Sirkis, very important commentary, very kind of, says it out, right? There's some commentaries that are very brief, and some commentaries are very long. His commentary is usually very long and explicit. In other words, the Mephoshim took the words of the Marshal and what interested them, at least the way he's presenting, I mean it's true, it's just that he presents it in a way that we focus on a certain idea. The idea that we focus on is that there are two words. One word is La'ag and the other word is Busha. The word La'ag means to make fun of somebody, right? 
you know, to, to laugh at a person. And busha is to be embarrassed. So what did the marshal say? Do not be embarrassed when they make fun of you. So the, the uh, Bach said, Kefal Hashem. He says, Diesh busha below la'aga. Ve'la'aga below busha. He says, these two words are not the same. Lag is not the same as busha. Busha would mean something that causes you embarrassment. And lag means what they say about you. What they talk about you. Dehine lift amim. He says, after all, sometimes a person is trying to do mitzvot or serve God or dress in the way the Jews dress, right? The way that was, was done in Chutzlaret. He says, and then people come and make fun of them. And they say, oh, you know, this guy, uh, look at him, or look at what he's doing, or look. And, and, uh, and, uh, but he doesn't, he doesn't uh, uh, run away. He, he accepts the confrontation as a necessary part of his existence. Existence. So that's a lag belobusha. Lag belobusha because they're making fun of him and he's saying, no, I don't care. I'm not embarrassed at what I'm doing. I'm going to live the way I live. Right? You know that this was a problem. That this is a problem of modernity. We've all gone through this, right? The Lubavitcher Rebbe said, the pre, the Rav Menachem Mendel, Lubavitcher Rebbe said, that, you know, they had an issue in, in Lubavitch, whether they should wear strimals or not. If, you, if you're interested in these kinds of things, so you, if you ever saw a picture of the Lubavitcher Rebbe and his father-in-law, his father-in-law is the previous Rebbe. Lubavitcher Rebbe? Father-in-law is the previous Rebbe. Who also was called the previous Rebbe in Yiddish. Right. It is Yiddish. It's none. What? He's permanently the previous rebbe. No. That's the the previous rebbe is the father in law. But he's not permanent. He's a Chaladeos buried and dead. No one disagrees about that. So the Babacher Rebbe's father in law, they they may not you know, they have hundreds of pictures of him, but there isn't a single picture of him that I know of. Not that I mean you know, it probably might exist, but there's a single picture of him that I know of where he's not wearing a strimal. The father-in-law. What is it? Strimal. What's a strimal? A strimal is a fur hat. A strimal is a fur hat. He's not wearing a strimal. But the Lubavitch Rebbe, his son-in-law, he said it's not going to go in America. In America, you can't tell people they have to wear strimal. So he took his strimal off. He had a strimal. And he put on a fedora. You know what a fedora is? <laughs> <laughs> it's a natural. Right. And so they made a thing, you know, so Lubavitchers made a thing out of hats. You may have noticed. Like, you know, when they go, the Lubavitcher guy goes to the swimming pool, you know, swimming, he wears his hat. You know, that's a thing. So, so Lubavitcher Rebbe was wrong. Because there are a lot of Hasidim in America who wear strimals. They don't seem to bother them. But he said, he said the Bouchard will be too great. The busha will be too great and therefore he said we have to wear one regular kind of clothing and they took off the shrimal and they wore a hat. So he, the, the, the Agri de Kalos says that sometimes there's lag, sometimes they make fun of you, but you don't feel embarrassed by it. You know, you know you're right. You're doing the right thing. You're doing God's directive and why should you be embarrassed? He says 
Sometimes you're embarrassed even when they don't say anything. Nobody's making fun of you, but you're embarrassed on your own. And that's what we saw in the Mishnah Burra. Sometimes, sometimes you, you come into a place and there are only great people. They're all sitting and learning, you know, they're learning Pasha the Shavua. And you open up your, uh, like, art scroll Chumish, and you're also learning Pasha the Shavua. So you might feel Busha. Look, hey, look, this is what, I mean, I should be like that. I should be learning on that level. Okay, it's very nice that I'm learning Pasha the Shavua. But still, my ignorance is nothing that I'm so proud of. So that's Busha. So, but there's no lag. The great people in the room are not making fun of you. They're not saying, ah, oh, you know, like, why are you don't even try to learn. It's not always saying anything like that. But you have busha. So that, that even though the marshal formulated his halacha using both words, the words busha and lag, the agri, the kalo, is going out of his way and he's basing himself on the Bach. It's right on this, trying to show you that these two words are not necessarily, don't necessarily go together, but there's busha without lag and there's lag without busha. Right? These things are separate. <laughs> That's what Shlomo Melech said. In, uh, uh, in other words, sometimes you, let's say you go in, a guy goes in, he has a, like, some kind of chumrah that he accepted upon himself. Like, you know what a chumrah is? <laughs> like, you don't have to do it, right? You know, there's some people like that. They do things that they don't have to do. And they know they don't have to do it. So if you go, if you go to a shul, and you do some chumrah, you know, like you, you wear the tefillin of Rabbeinu Tam. I, I'm sorry, I'm giving you all these examples of shuls and men. But, you know, women have different kinds of chumras. I don't know. Uh, but let's say, let's say you, you wear the tefillin of Rabbeinu Tam. You know, there are people who do that so that they have to put on two pairs of tefillin during davening, they put on first they put on tefillin of Rashi, and then in Chazor Sashat, they put on tefillin of of uh, of Rabbeinu Tam. So let's say you're standing in shul, and and in comes the Vilna Gaon to daven. <laughs> so Vilna Gaon said that you shouldn't do that. That you know only only people who don't understand the simplest things about anything could put on two pairs of tefillin. That's the position of Vilna Gaon. So the Vilna Gaon comes to shul, and he's standing in the front because he's the Vilna Gaon. And you know that he's the Vilna Gaon. And you know what he thinks about people who put on two pairs of tefillin. So you might get to feel a little embarrassed. Because there's this tremendous weight of Torah in the room telling you not to do what you do. So he says, that's embarrassment. That's what happened. That's called, that's called to be embarrassed. Like I'm doing it. Why am I doing it? Why am I putting on uh, uh, two pairs of tefillin? Because I feel it's better that God will pay more attention to me, that I'll get some kind of credit in heaven for doing this. But the Vilna Gon is in shul. I mean, it's a little hard. It's a little hard to put on two pair of, pour two pair of tefillin. So that's called Mile de Chasiduta. He said, You know, that's what, uh, that's what Shlomo HaMelech said to the people that came and they said, they uh, asked Shlomo HaMelech to ease up on the taxes. You know, when he became king after Dovra Melech. So he said, well, you think it was bad till now? 
It's going to be a lot worse. So that's what he said. Lazet is here below Tevosh. And that's why there's a posse in Mishlei. Ki ein chokma ve'ein eitzah leneged Hashem. That's the pasuk he's referring to. That laze amar Hashem yitbarach sheshtaim heina ayu bekan eitzel pinchas. Here we are. Took us a little time, but we're at pinchas. Shtaim ayah eitzel pinchas. This is what the Torah really means to say. Amazing. How is he going to get this to pinchas? Watch. Shu pinchas ben Elazar. Sheelazar, who aviv gadol bimenu mechuyab bichvodo. Everybody understands that Elazar was the greater person, because Elazar was the son of Aaron, and he became a kohen when Aaron became a a kohen. Sheelazar, who aviv gadol bimenu mechuyab bichvodo. I'm on line twenty-one. Vegam Elazar, who miuchas. Shu ben Aaron v'gam hu kohen umei raui lefi hateva litbayesh bimenu asot davar gadol kazeh. So he drays it around, leaving Moshe Rabbeinu out of the story. But he said, Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron a kohen. Where's the busha? Not the busha that he was doing something wrong. The busha that he was standing amongst great people. And he was taking an initiative. I mean, what did he think? That he knew the halacha? That no one else knew the halacha? That no one was there who was able to say or do the right thing? Is that what he, sto- what he thought? V'amar, heishivet chamati mi'al b'nei Yisrael said, heishivet chamati. My anger has been abated. And remember the question he asked before, why it says B'nei Yisrael the second time and Otam the first time. So that Elazar, right? I'm sorry, Pinchas. Pinchas was being insulted by B'nai Yisrael. La'agu alav. It was Pinchas himself had to overcome two deficiencies. One deficiency had to do with Busha, according to the Agra de Kalo. Busha meaning he was surrounded by people who were greater than him, and he should have, or he might have, taken the easier way out and not acted. Secondly, he was surrounded by people who were making fun of him and saying, that he was not miyuchas, that he did not have what they all had, and therefore he could be affected by, by the the busha. V'afal pikein in line twenty-seven bekanoet kinati b'tocham kai b'tochan lav davkal b'nei Yisrael de'la'el rak al kol ha'omur da'hainu shayasham elazar b'naranokon v'nei Yisrael that all that the b'tocham not b'toch kol b'nei Yisrael. 
but betoch the people who are causing him busha and laag. And that's what Kanaut is. The zealousness of Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron HaKohen. That he was not stopped by Busha. And he was not stopped by Laag. Those two things did not stop Pinchas ben Elazar HaKohen. Now line 31. Uliot Tevat bitocham lo kayal bene Yisrael levad. Al keng shechazar shuv lo mar velo chiliti. Pirush beferish bene Yisrael lo rota kavanarachal bene Yisrael. And therefore we understand that bitocham doesn't mean all of bene Yisrael. It means the people who would have stopped him. The people who would have caused him busha and lag. But then when the Torah says, when the Torah says that uh, that this caused a, 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 a merciful situation for all of B'nai Yisrael, so then the Torah says B'nai Yisrael. And then he comes and he, he, quotes a, he quotes a medrash and continues this idea. So I think that, uh, uh, again, Briti Shalom. What's the Kana'ut, according to the definition of the Agra de Kala? What was it that Pinchas managed to do? He managed to overcome, he managed to overcome tendencies that we have, tendencies that we have to be unable to run with the truth in the face of Busha and Lag. He taught us, he Pinchas taught us what Kana'ut was. Kana'ut doesn't mean that you just go and do something crazy. But Kana'ut means that you act against the natural inclination. What we've been trained to do. What we've been taught to be in all of our lifetime. So we are taught to have busha. It's a great thing. It's a tremendous midah. Right, how that exactly goes back to Odom and Chava when they got kicked out of the Gan Eden is an interesting question and its own story. But we develop in our children Busha. We try to tell them he is a great person in Israel. Great person in Israel means great credibility, great understanding. You mevatel yourself, so to speak, right? You don't stand up to greatness all the time. You don't say, why do you say this? Why do you say that? Why do you do this? I mean, sometimes we teach ourselves to be accepting of greatness. That's called busha. That's called busha. And then lag is something that sometimes we can deal with and sometimes we can't. So that the kanaut the Kana'ut of, of Pinchas ben Elazar ben Arona Kohen, the Kana'ut, his quality, this quality that he taught us about, was that sometimes you have to overcome the Busha and you have to overcome the La'ag in order to do the right thing. I think we also learned that the right thing is the right thing because it's in the Torah. And so that that if you go back to that original question, which is where was Moshe Rabbeinu in the story? I mean, what was Moshe Rabbeinu's job? 
what he said to Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron Akoid, you do it. He says, you have the, you are charged. You came with the halacha. You wrote it, you read it from the book. So you do it. So I think that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu in all of these parashiyot, right? Korach, Chukat, Balak, Pinchas, right? All these parashiyot. Moshe Rabbeinu is changing the scene. And he is bringing B'nai Yisrael to the point where they will be able to accept new leadership. Not new leadership, a different person, but new leadership of a totally different kind. Because as long as Moshe Rabbeinu was alive, all the answers were perfect. All of the solutions were directly from heaven. As the Gemara in Erechen says, when Moshe Rabbeinu died, there were tens of thousands of sveikot that Yoshua bin Nun suddenly became aware of. He didn't know the answer to thousands of questions. So he went to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and he said, Okay, I'm Yoshua bin Nun. I came in place of Moshe Rabbeinu. So could you just give me the answers to all of these questions? And HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to him, those days are over. You figure it out. What you can do is learn the Torah which enables you, which enables you to get these answers. The person who, of course, the name of the person who is closely associated with this idea is Yitro. Because Yitro's contribution to the Jewish people, even though he was not Jewish at first, and even though he created Lag, against Pinchas. But Yitro's contribution was, he came and he told, he told Moshe Rabbeinu, you can't do this. You can't go on like this. You can't just sit and judge people all day and all night. So of course, this is considered to be a great, uh, a great thing. And the parasha of Matan Torah is named Yitro because of that. Because of what Yitro said. But we would ask, I mean, what's the big deal? I mean, okay, maybe Moshe Rabbeinu was not a great administrator. Maybe he was not the CEO of a high-tech company, but if you say to somebody, if you work 20 hours a day, so you might get tired, that doesn't seem to be like, you know, you're a rocket scientist, exactly. So what was it that was the greatness of Yitro? So we imagine the following conversation. Yitro came to Moshe Rabbeinu and said, Moshe Rabbeinu, you can't do this. This can't go on. Moshe Rabbeinu said, you're right, I'm tired. But B'nai Yisrael deserve the best answer that could be given. And I am the possessor of that answer. And Moshe Rabbeinu, and Yitro said, Navol Tibol. You'll rot and disappear. What do you mean you'll rot? Why will Moshe Rabbeinu rot? He didn't mean that Moshe Rabbeinu will rot. He meant B'nai Yisrael will rot. Because if B'nai Yisrael think that the only answer to a question in Torah comes from Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moshe Rabbeinu dies, they can all pack their bags and leave. The history of Am Yisrael has come to an end. So he said to Moshe Rabbeinu, you have to put Dayanim. They have to be able to judge. B'nai Yisrael has to learn to accept the judgment of people who are not Moshe Rabbeinu. And so, Moshe Rabbeinu said to Pinchas, 
You came to me to validate this halacha and to sort of give you permission to act. I, Moshe Rabbeinu, say to you, Pinchas, you don't have to get validation. You don't have to have permission. If you remember the halacha, if that's the way we learned it, then do it. You're the one who has to do it. So Pinchas was another level in re-establishing the new leadership of B'nai Yisrael. New leadership is not just a change in the name, but new leadership is this absolutely remarkable idea that after Moshe Rabbeinu dies, B'nai Yisrael would still know exactly what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted from them. Uh, it's hard to imagine what an overwhelmingly remarkable idea this was, which Moshe Rabbeinu was able to teach B'nai Yisrael. In other words, he was able to say to them, yes, I'm Moshe Rabbeinu, yes, I brought you the Torah, yes, I know the answers, and I give you that, but it just could be just as good with Yoshua Ben-Nun. I mean, can you imagine that? And that's what he said to, to Pinchas. So Pinchas teaches us on both sides. First, he teaches us that you can know the halacha, even if it's not being taught at that moment by, by Moshe Rabbeinu. And even if Moshe Rabbeinu sort of takes himself out of the picture. The second thing that Pinchas taught us is that Kana'ut, Kana'ut acting on the, on the, on the base of halacha, demands that you overcome busha and that you overcome lag. And these are things that have been ongoing issues that we saw in the, in the Shulchan Aruch for the Jewish people in all the generations.